You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Today, it's real complicated. I have one verse that most of you know by heart. And we're going to kind of delve into it. So if you want to be reading it along, I suggest you pull out your Bibles, electronic, paper, however they work. To Romans 8.28. I just said Romans 8.28. Don't say it out loud. How many raising your hand know already what that verse is? So these are people who have struggled in life. <laughs> so I'm going to read the NASB. And, it's, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God. To those who are called according to his purpose. You know, we read that, and for most people, they've formed an awful lot of ideas about this passage, and some are, it's just a simple idea. I've actually heard people say that they, they think that God actually sees our afflictions and hardships as good. And nothing could be further than the truth. He doesn't see our affliction as good. He can make good out of them. God sees these things as evil and the work of a broken world under the leadership of the evil one. He does not see these things as good. I hope you don't come to that conclusion. And I've known people that have. I've, there's a real, you know, Paul writes as saying he sees the joy in his suffering for Christ. And that's relating to his blessed hope. It's also his blessed hope, by the way, that he holds in his Christ-likeness and in the knowledge of the very truth of this passage, Paul's not saying he prefers to be in prison. He's saying that he will not let prison steal his joy. And so he celebrates joy while he's in the conditions of prison. I hope you, know, you see the difference there. And that's what we are going. We're going to be like Paul in our afflictions, not saying that we think these afflictions are good. And I'm so glad. I mean, I don't, I don't get it, but I've heard a lot of people preach that, and so that's not at all the case. I, I just think it's, uh, you know, I, I, I see people that have this real dangerous and false theology that they have to have come through some horrible, tragic addiction or an abuse or a hardship to have an effective story of redemption. And it is, don't get me wrong, having been through that, it is, it is a wonderful story to hear and witness to. But that's a, that's a, that's a lie because I, I've seen wonderfully blessed children of God that receive God at a very early age that they feel that they don't have a story to tell now. Because so many people have said, oh, if you haven't overcome the world, then you don't have anything to talk about. You know, I, I wish, quite frankly, that I was like someone like a, a Rick Francis at age 15, boom, it's done. He never got himself tangled up into the cake parties and all the other things that go on. He had a plan, the A plan from the very beginning. <clears throat> so let's not, let's not look at this and say, oh, if I don't have a, a real hard story, I have nothing to tell. You have a wonderful story to tell. And you, you know what else Rick's got a story to tell? His child, his high school sweetheart, saw him at that moment, he's about 15, and she's known him as a Christian for 50 years. She's watched his walk for 50 years. 
So that's an, that's an incredible story. He doesn't have to talk about broken marriages, marriages that were on the brink. Well, maybe there was a couple of times they thought they were on the brink, but I'm joking. <laughs> but, but we, uh, you know, that's a tragedy. That's not a good. The overcoming is the good. So I understand that, that's, first of all, I don't want to get to that. So let's, let's look at this the, the verse again now. It starts off and says, we know. This is different than we believe or we have faith in. This is I know. A little bit different. And that's an absolute positive knowledge, which has, is beyond a doubt. And, and it's a settled intuition, intuitive knowledge, which, which the Holy Spirit makes real. Here's why. God himself has placed the knowledge of this verse in our hearts. His character rests on it. See, it, this is a knowledge that's based on the character of God. Through our encounter with God, I know this because I've encountered God. I know God. You all have someone who might be your spouse or a very close friend, and someone says something about somebody, you know, that can't be that person. I know that person. And, or just the opposite. Who should we call? I know just the person. I know who we can count on for this. That's the kind of know we have. It's not, I don't know, maybe I should call Sarah. But you say, I know Sarah should love to jump in on this. This is where we have this kind of knowledge. This is a very firm, this is a relational, we know God. That's, that's, boy, that's a big one. And then it says, then it goes on and says, God causes. This is a triumphant truth of our God. He's a mighty, all-powerful, sovereign God, and he will work every work of his to the finish. So it says, he causes, God causes. So we've got now that I know him, he's sovereign, he's all-powerful, almighty. Now that's what's working into this whole thing. Then it says, all things. Not just the medium ones. This is all things. He works all things. Now this verse is geared toward the negative things, right? But he says all things. This is every aspect of your life that he is taking and is formulating without any restriction or any conditions. He's taking it all. And the other thing that sometimes gets missed, this is present tense. He's speaking to us while we're in the middle of our struggle. That present tense, God is working all things, not, with, not just the one you're in, the one you're, you ha, you've had, and the one you may have later. He's going to take your joys and, and blend those into it also. He's going to take your victories and your, your failures. He's going to take your gains and your lack. He's going to take all of your life and move it. Because sometimes what we think is a victory until God has fashioned it, may not have been truly victory. I, can see, I remember a time when I thought I was very, very satisfied with, with, with my income and all these kind of things. I was not at a place where I said I didn't, it was perfect. God was fashioning those kind of areas too. How they had money, how they had all kinds of things. So that's what's so experienced. I mean, it's so special. It's every experience. God is working. So it says, I like it because it, it, 
makes me understand I've got to expand my thoughts of what God can do. So this is one of, you know, what do you call it? The milking stool, it's got three legs. This is one of them. There's nothing outside of the realm of God. All things. All things God has handled. That's a big, big part of us. You know, sometimes our faith is limited to what we think God can be a, a part of. Or we let God become a part of. We need to let God enter into everything we're at and say, God, I know you're here right now. I'm excited about what you're going to do, but help me get through this. And the word for working together is where we get the word synergism. It's taking all the moving parts and then binding them together to something stronger. For those of the basketball fans around here, I was never a real Bobby fan, a Bobby Knight fan, but one thing I've ever talked about Bobby Knight was one thing. He could take five average basketball players and make it to a great team. He could take the five parts and make something really, really good with those five parts. So the five parts don't have to be wonderful parts, and it's, it's, it's God in, there in the middle of that. I, I just love that, because he can take all of this and work it together. And I get, to, I get my picture of that is God's personal power behind everything. And it's a divine plan that's outside of our boundaries, it's outside of time, and it's outside of anything that we, any realm of ours. He's, he's not bound by anything, and he, therefore, the effect is gonna be far greater than the elements. And that makes it incredible. I, I just, my, you think about how he can take some of these things and literally turn lead into gold. And it happens all the time in the lives of Christians. And I think that the way he takes together the physical, the emotional, and the spiritual, and blends it into a work of art. And, it's, and it works it into good. The very goodness of God. If we, that's my other leg, we can't stop understanding the level of the goodness of God. You know, it's the goodness of God that has us pursuing Him. I can tell you this right now. The moment you stop seeing the goodness of God, you stop pursuing Him. It's His goodness that just pulls us in. And as we get in and we see another depth of goodness, we go further and further. The goodness of God is... That's why Mo, Moses had to see the goodness of God, because his definition of the glory didn't start from the goodness. Because when he said, show me your glory, he said, I'll show you my goodness. Because from the goodness emanates my glory. From my compassion emanates my glory. And that's where his goodness is. And so he's going to take this and make your worst days, your good days, this whole picture into a mosaic that reflects the goodness of God. I want you to really think about this. Some medical thing that you're going through, and it's, and it's a trying time, and you're really struggling through it, and God's saying, I'm going to take this, along with some other stuff that's happening, and I am going to make this a piece of art that is unbelievable and reflects me perfectly. Through you. That, I think, is so important for us to see. This is not, he's going to make everything good. That's not what he's talking about. He said, it's going to become part of my goodness. And I think that we've got to 
capture this. We've got God working everything together, so it's going to be part of my goodness. And so, I, you know, and the pieces are junk. The pieces are broken pieces of this world. You know, chlorine is poison. Sodium, pure sodium, is poison. I put salt on my food all the time. It's good. In moderation. So the pieces can be poisoned that are made to be something that enhances the flavor of food. The pieces of our life can be something that can enhance the kingdom of God as a beacon of God's goodness. I just, I love that. I just, absolutely. So who's this for? Starts off with, it says, for those who love God. Agapeo, with the A-O on it. That's an active word of love. So it's not, I'm in a state of love. No. This is, a, this is an active way of loving, which means I'm loving God by being obedient to God. So it's so those who love God in their obedience. Those who, he's, he's getting, he's showing us this is a different love. This is not a belief. This is not a, a faith. It, it's a love that you're active in and you're, you're engaged in obeying God eagerly. So that's, that's I just want to make sure you understand. This is a different kind. Sometimes, sometimes the words in, in, in uh, Eastern culture are more like a verb when it's really a noun. So if you say you're a king, that means you're doing things like a king, not sitting on a throne. We say sitting on a throne. They're saying, no, you're doing regal things. You should be busy. So, <clears throat> and this really is direct. This talks about a lifestyle directed to obedience of God. Okay, not just an occasional obedience. So, this is in those who are called, and this is part of the cause and effect with love. Is those who are called. So. <clears throat> We've got people being in the presence of God where we exchange love, and then the grace, and, and the grace while the intimacy is being shared. But then this leads, in, leads us into the purposes of God. So we're people of the presence of God, and these are people of the purpose of God, to do God's will through us, that God will bless us. So this is for us to do God's will with all of nonsense that happened to us. And he's going to, so this goodness is going to flow through us and reflect God. Our Christ-likeness will be expanded in his kingdom as we trust God through our afflictions and he takes those and, and changes them. It says for those who are who love God and are according to and are working with, or calling to his, his uh, purposes. Let's make sure we understand. Does, does it work for everybody? So if you look at them, oh, don't worry. God works everything for good. It's for those who love God and are willing to be active in obedient in his purposes and in, in what he asks us to do. I just love that the plan of God is always going to be complete. So the third leg is we're part of it. We're a big part of it. We're, we are back like the, the original Adam and Eve that 
they were supposed to steward the garden. Well, we've got a chunk of garden to steward ourselves. It might be your own backyard. It might be where you work. It might be all over the place. But we're working for the kingdom. And as we go through difficult times, God is in the middle of these. He's not pulling us out of the difficulty. He's going to perfect us through it and then reflect the goodness of God on the other end. Now, sometimes he will pull us out of it. Does not stop praying about it, but, but he'll find some, you know, some instant solutions. We just have to listen and trust God. Then we have the joy of the connection and our relationship with, with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in our deepest, lowest points. That when we're sitting in a hospital bed with tubes, we can say, it's all joy. Not because we're in a hospital bed with tubes, but because we know our relationship with God is going to make this so that maybe Lisa will have an effect on her. Or, or I'll give you a perfect example. from a hospital bed. I'll never forget the joy of a lady that used to sit right there next to Jim Coleman. And her last days, she was evangelizing and giving the joy of the Lord to the nurses and the, and the staff in the hospital. Because she was not going to be pushed down by this. She, was, she knew that God was going to work this into a, a heavenly plan, that she was going to be a mosaic of the goodness of God. And that's really where, where we're at. So when we read this passage, don't go, oh yeah, God will work good. God is here. He's now. The fullness of God is here. And he's going to take this and convert it into the most amazing Michelangelo piece of work in heaven. And, and be a participant in that process from that point. We then become a participant. We move from whining to praising. Okay, I whine, whine, whine that crazy. But a guy will never stop whining. They should just expect it. <laughs> so here's what I did. I wrote my own Chuck's Amplified Version of this verse. I gotta find some of you guys ever one point. I don't know if you would or not. It says, We know by the character and promises of God that in his sovereign might and power. God is gathering every aspect of our life, both pain and delight, without limit or constraint, to supernaturally synergize them into the very character of God's goodness. God delights to bless in this way those who eagerly find their treasure in God and are obedient in God's presence, and eagerly find their treasure in their obedience in God's purposes. That's my version. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.